1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the real EFL's uh, League Two look back from this weekend. I am your host, Matt, and I've got Charlie joining me this week, and we've got a newbie in the studio. Yes, we have Brandon, who is a Grimsby fan. Hi, guys, how are you both doing?
4: I'm great, thank Uh, you, mate. How are you today?
1: Oh, I'm really good, uh, even though I am unfortunately a Gillingham fan after yesterday, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So, Well, let's get cracking. Let's get straight into it. So, our first uh, game of the day from yesterday sees both of last season's promoted teams from the National League come up against each other. And with Notts having won all of their league home games this season and Wrexham, who are unbeaten in their last seven, this was sure to be an exciting game. And it finished Notts County 0-Wrexham 2. Guys, what did you watch it? What did you think?
4: I think one big takeaway from... What I've seen, I think Elliot Lee is really not in the discussion enough for uh, simply one of the most well-rounded players in the division that at least I've seen. I think um, I watched the highlights, Re- uh, Wrexham's direct play got on top of knots. from what I've seen, you know, they had the throw-ins, Toza, that they're a very limited side, but they're the best at it I've seen, I'd say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Charlie, what, what about yourself?
0: Yeah, I, I very much echo what Brandon said there. It's Wrexham, Wrexham know what they are, they know what they're doing. And they do, like, like Brandon said, they do it really, really well. And we saw last season that Notts County, the, the different play styles that these two teams have, it always cr- creates a really, really interesting game. And that's exactly what happened again yesterday, where Wrexham's play style, it turns out, beat Notts County's. You know, we all we all saw at least the highlights of that three two victory for Wrexham with that last minute penalty save back in the National League earlier on in the calendar year. So it doesn't really surprise me too much to see Wrexham getting the win again. But you know, Notts County fans are definitely going to feel disappointed. And you know, again, question marks. Even though they're sat there in second, far too many question marks seem to be getting asked about their manager at the minute.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird actually when you when you say it like mm. that because obviously they're, they're not they're, you know they're not in a bad uh, situation. Uh, just talking about uh, talking through the goals yesterday. So uh, yes, Elliot Lee scored in the seventy third minute. Um, picked the ball up just on the outside of the box, uh, shot the ball sort of used dead center. Shot the ball took a massive deflection. I don't know if it was off a Wrexham player or a uh, so a Knox County player. I couldn't tell, uh, and just flew in past the goalkeeper. Uh, and then three minutes later on, 76 minutes, uh, Oli Palmer uh, got to pick the ball up, uh, took it into the penalty area and slotted the ball past the goalkeeper. What I will say, and this is actually going to lead on to one of my questions, and uh, Charlie, I'm going to throw this one at you. Um, you know, I, I actually uh, managed to find some extended highlights of the game. And there was a big chunk of that uh, sort of the middle period of the game where knots were Yeah, pretty much all over Wrexham. So, I mean, can Knott's fans feel a bit aggrieved that the team had such a dominant period in that game and they still lost, or would you just say that is solely down to Wrexham just playing defensively that well?
0: Well, don't get me wrong. County fans can definitely feel aggrieved. We know the kind of play that they have. They have a lot more of the ball. They often try to move it forward, and they'll often have many shots. You know, they had 16 shots, six on target but Wrexham had 15 shots with eight on target. This game could have quite easily been one of the sort of four-three-four 3 4 all sorts of thrillers that we've seen Notts County have this season. But Wrexham, Wrexham's robustness in defence and county's leaky defence led to the 2-0 victory for Wrexham. So, of course, Notts County fans can feel aggrieved, but at the same time, it's just pointed at the same issues that unfortunately they've had this season. The fact that they, they can't always put, rely on being clinical and putting every shot away. But, all, you know, considering their defence is as, as weak as it is.
4: And you'll be looking yeah. now as well. Sorry. Um, you'll be looking now as well. Notts County have lost their last two to Wrexham and Mansfield, two sides just breathing down their neck. That'll be something mm. that they'll be worrying about now.
1: Yeah, it does seem like a, a lot of the, the teams that have come up, especially from the, the National League, sort of seem to have this... Um, uh, this this uh, ideology, sorry, ideology. Uh, I
2: can't even say the word.
1: <laughs> but you know, the way they're playing, we are always going to try and score one more than you. So it doesn't matter how defensive their they're, uh, league, their defense is. Uh, but ultimately, they're always going to try and uh, an up one and, and try and obviously say score more goals. Um So, Brandon, I'm going to actually then throw this next question uh, at you. So, look, I mean, are Rexham starting to show their full potential now? And if they are, I mean, what could actually stop them from dominating this league?
4: Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. They're, you you look. I've been thinking for that last automatic spot, it's either them or Mansfield for me. And there's such a difference between those two sides. I think Wrexham sort of edge it for me because they just have that firepower to kill teams off and they will every week. They'll, I think what makes a League Two side a good League Two side is one that can capitalise on their pressure because you're never going to dominate a game for 90 minutes. But Wrexham certainly have that firepower to kill teams off.
1: Yeah, I mean, we were talking uh, sort of at the start of the sort of the season, obviously with the the old Disney dream coming in. Obviously, them uh, coming in and filming was that maybe putting the players a bit under pressure. But no, they're definitely starting to show their their full potential now, yes. and they're definitely a team that I think are going to be they're there about to come the end of the season although as a uh, for those of you that have listened previously uh, my little bet that I'm having with my friend I really hope they don't go up because I don't want to be wearing a uh, <laughs> shirt in the rain end at the start of next season but after that game so obviously it finished Knott's County meal Wrexham two that leaves Notts in second and Wrexham are closely behind in third place we're going to move on to our next game. So, uh, Atkinson Stanley versus Colchester. So, Akrington Stanley, whose chairman Andy Holt, commented on X last week that the club is for sale and called out manager John Coleman and assistant Jimmy Bell came up against Colchester's side who were due to have Matthew Everington as interim head coach, but former employee Crawley have stopped this due to a contract uh, infringement. So, the final score finished. Atkinson Stanley, Neil, Colchester, one goal scored by uh Taylor in the 57th minute. Uh, there was a pullback pass uh from one of the Akroton Sandy players. Uh, Taylor pounced on the ball, took it into the box. Keeper came out, almost gets a hand to it, but he just managed to get it under him and then slammed the ball home into the back of the net. Uh, Charlie Brandon, I don't know, have you been able to watch any of the highlights? Have you seen any of the game at all?
4: Uh, no, I haven't seen any of this one actually
1: oh, that's, that's, that's a good start. <laughs> have, you had, well, <laughs> have you had a chance to have a nose yourself?
0: I I have. And I've got to be honest, I feel like Accrington are, are probably going to feel a little bit aggrieved at this one. Um, you know, they, they, they have 31 shots. But again, the issue is they only had six on target. They've just not been able to create high-level chances. And that was evident. You know, I watched the extended highlights and that was... Truly evident in some of the chances that they were getting, they were able to put shots onto the goal, of uh, well, towards the goal, not necessarily on goal because only six of them were on target. But they were able to put shots towards the goal, but none of them really seemed like high level opportunities. You know, they, they had a couple, but nothing really screamed, "Wow, you should have scored that!" So, you know, it. It's a little bit of an unlucky one for them, but Colchester are going to be really, really pleased. You know that they, they were the total opposite in terms of clinicality. Seven shots, six on target. You know, and they only have thirty-five percent possession. They would be able to, They were able to create a few chances, and they got. They scored them. You know, Taylor got the goal, and that is back-to-back wins for managerless Colchester now.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. When I watched the game back and obviously I, and I looked at the stats of Virginia and it said 31 shots, I actually kind of thought that must be a misprint because, you know, that's mm. not the kind of thing yeah. you'd expect to see. But obviously, Accrington were having, you know, beforehand, they're having a lot of uh, joy going forward. But yesterday against Colchester, they just, yeah, were really struggling to get the ball in the back mm. of the net. And unfortunately, League 2 football will throw up shots like this and managerless Colchester managed to get the win out of it. Um I'm going to just jump onto a couple of the questions, mainly because um, obviously with what happened last week with Andy Holt coming out and saying that he is deciding to put the club up for sale, we both were thinking, you know, potentially uh, with John Coleman going on radio with Jimmy Bell talking about uh, wanting a new contract, that they could have potentially been out the door this week. So, I mean, do you think that could still happen? Do you think, uh, you know, his uh, John Coleman could be the next managerial casualty in this league?
0: I don't... I think it's going to happen based on that now because I feel like if that were to happen, it would have already been the case and he would have been sacked as of, you know, Monday at the latest. I think the fact that obviously he managed to get a win Tuesday night, you know, uh, where AFC Wimbledon, considering everything that was going on, obviously managed to do that. But yes, okay, they lost this game where they probably should have done considerably better with the amount of shots that they had. But I don't necessarily see Andy Holt getting rid of John Coleman now based on that. He's decided that he's going to be the one to leave. So he probably doesn't see the point in sacking John Coleman and overseeing a managerial change if he's just going to sell the club anyway. So he's probably allowing whoever it is that comes in as the new owner to make that decision themselves.
1: Oh, perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, if he's going to sell the club, then yeah, you're right. Maybe he doesn't want to be having to hunt for a manager whilst obviously trying to get rid of the club. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to throw this one at you. So obviously, I don't know if you've read the situation with around Matthew yeah. Edmonton and, and Crawley. Uh, but I mean, what do you think Colchester are going to do now then about the situation? Do, do they contest it? Do you think they try and get Matthew Winston still back in? Or do you think they just completely move on now and, and try and find a different situation?
4: I personally think I'll try and find a different situation.
1: Yeah, I, 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 if you had a, you know, if you had to have a guess, you know, what any manager in mind that you could think could go in there and do a job? Well,
4: one manager that I've, I'm gonna move on to this with Grimsby, but I think David Artell, it certainly should be in contention for a League Two club. I don't know if you've seen any interviews with him, but he's had his time away from football now. He. And he's been watching football. He's been part of the coaching with West Ham, I believe. And, you know, I feel he's very much a progressive manager. A club like Colchester does sort of need a project with after recent years where they've struggled in League Two. But yeah, I think David Artell would be a great shout
1: Brilliant. Well, there you go. Uh, Colchester fans, if you want to go and put some money on, Brandon's giving you a great hot tip there. David Artel, although, you know, I, I to be fair, I wouldn't mind him at Gillingham as well, but then I <laughs> say we, we've been without a manager now for three weeks. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. But anyway, uh, obviously, after that final score, Col- uh, Atkinson, Neil Colchester won. That leaves Atkinton in seventh place and Colchester are in 20th. Uh, right, we're going to move on to our next game. So this is Sutton United versus Bradford City. So Sutton, who had conceded nine goals in their last three games, hosted Bradford, still without Kevin McDonald. In, sorry, still with Kevin McDonald in charge, and have won on their previous three matches against Sutton. So as you could expect, it finished Sutton two, Bradford one. Uh, Charlie, I believe you watched this. Talk us through the game. Mm.
0: Well, yeah. And first of all, you, you, like you say, Kevin McDonald still in charge. Did you see that he played himself on in midweek and then subbed himself off? So I, I'm intrigued who made that decision in off the pitch. But that was a that was a bit of a, a funny sort of one to see on Tuesday night. But yeah, that game yesterday. I mean, this is bottom of the league Sutton playing at home. Yes, but to a Bradford side that actually had had been doing reasonably well under Kevin McDonald. I think they were, uh, they won their first three matches with him in Caretaker Charge and I remember me and, me and you and Matt sat on this podcast discussing whether or not he should get the job full time but now I feel like those conversations have started to die out a little bit because in the fourth minute um, Josh Coley put the hosts ahead, and then Andy Cook, the inevitable man, decided to score. He's not scored in a few games, actually, but he managed to get a goal for Bradford yesterday to equal it up. And then, in the 87th minute, um, in the eight, sorry, in the 87th minute, Sutton managed to get a goal through Harry Beautyman as he headed home from a Craig Clay cross. So a really, really impressive victory for Sutton. And uh, I think Bradford, you know, of course, Bradford are going to feel a bit aggrieved at it. But I actually don't think it would be fair to say at all that Sutton didn't deserve it. You know, they, they, OK, yes, had less possession than Bradford. It's what you'd probably expect for a team bottom of the league and, and a Bradford side under Kevin McDonald, But... 11 shots, two on target for Sutton, only 10 shots, one on target for Bradford. So quite clearly, Sutton were a side that wanted to get the victory yesterday, and they certainly did that. So they can be really, really pleased with a nice little home victory. Unfortunately, it hasn't lifted them off the bottom of the lead, but it has got them only within three points of Forest Green in 22nd.
1: Yeah, I so I think I believe it's only goal difference currently now actually mm. uh, stop them from getting off the bottom of the league. But um, I mean, always... uh, watching the game back, I, first off, I've got to say the the first Sutton goal uh, was it Coley uh, that scored mm. it. Uh, that goalkeeper will be absolutely kicking himself because <sighs> to, cause to oh, be I beaten know. at the near post like that, I mean, you're you're going to be pulling your hair out, yeah. aren't you, as a goalkeeper mm. because you, you never expect it to happen. Uh, but as you said, obviously, Andy Cook was well getting on the score sheet uh, with a uh, header. And then obviously, yeah, beauty man. I like this. You know, beauty man, beauty man, however you say it, um, <laughs> with that stunning strike at the end. And obviously, yeah, giving Sutton uh, three deserved points there, I believe. I think they played really well. Um, so here you go, Brandon. I'm going to fire this question then over to you. So do you, do you think, um, like they did yesterday, do you think Sutton can find that extra gear now for the rest of the season and pull away from the bottom two?
4: I personally don't think Sutton will be in the relegation come the end of the season just because of the reliability of Matt Gray. They have a very clear identity in how they play. They're a horrible side, usually quite hard to play through. And they've come off of a difficult summer as well. They lost quite well their core, really, didn't they? And, you know, they've sort of had to rediscover themselves. But personally, I think Sutton can take this forward. Yesterday they kept out, uh, they limited quite a good Bradford side that have been doing well, and I, I can only see them taking this forward.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. I kind of I kind of agree with you. I, I don't think Sutton will be down there at the end of the season. I do think they've got a very good uh, squad they've, they have put together. At the moment, it's just not clicking, but yeah. hopefully, like like what happened with us deals last year, hopefully, you never know, come the uh, January transfer window, things might start clicking, getting new players in there and they hopefully will pull away. Um, so, Charlie, then I'm just going to chuck this one at you. Um, so, I'm, you're probably not going to be able to give me a simple answer. I don't expect a simple <laughs> answer, but what do Bradford need from their next manager?
0: Uh, they need somebody who can get them points, funnily enough. look, um, no, Bradford have a lot of expectation on them. They do. They are a big club that have been in League Two for far, far too long. And they've got the capabilities to be able to get higher. Whether they've necessarily got a squad to be able to get higher, probably not in this year's League Two, because it, it is a very strong League Two. But They need a manager who's going to be able to to get the fan base behind the players. It's something that's often been a little bit differently parade, but they've got to really be able to get the players behind. uh, Sorry, get get the fans behind the players. They've got to have a manager that's able to deal with the pressure that's going to be piled upon him and then be able to, quite frankly, get them scoring because it's something they've not necessarily done amazingly so far this season. So they need a manager that's going to be able to get goals into this team.
1: So here you go. I'm going to throw you both this this one question. Give me a name. If you had to pick anyone for, to go to Bradford, any manager, who would you want?
4: Phil Parkinson, Altrincham.
1: Okay. Ooh, ooh.
0: Oh, um, uh, you, you, oh. You always ask these difficult questions because there's so many bloody merry-go-round at the minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do
1: you know? Let's 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 steal Brandon's answer for the last one. Let's go, David Artell. There, there you go, guys. Well, it's going to be a it, recurring a name. <laughs> it, well, so if, if you're betting guys, that's betting guys, go and put some money on David Artell to be a manager of a League Two team. You never know; it could hey, could even be Gilliam because mm. we say we need a manager as well. Um, so obviously, after that game, uh, that leaves Sutton in 24th and. Bradford are currently in 16th place. So we're going to move on to our next game. This was Doncaster versus Grimsby Town. So with, <laughs> yes, with Doncaster not keeping a clean sheet in their last five matches and Grimsby not keeping one in their last 11, and the fact that there had not been a draw between these two sides in any of their last eight matches, we expected this game to have lots of goals in it. And it finished. Doncaster won, Grimsby nil. So Brandon, talk us through the game.
4: Well, I per, so both sides, it, it was just one of those games in League Two, really. It was just both sides sort of trying to figure each other out. For a while, we came in. I think both managers are under pressure. Doncaster have picked up in recent weeks, but certainly some pressure. You'd have expected both sides to at least be top half, challenging playoffs at least at the start of the season. And they're both languishing in the bottom third. So it was quite cagey for a good majority of it. No real chances. The so- it's never really looked to open each other up. Doncaster played it down the right, and I'd say it was more their move that won the penalty than was conceding the penalty. It was a good interchange down the right, and Malarkey fouls him and 1-0. And the thing that concerned me personally as a Grimsby fan was we just never looked to threaten them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched the game a bit yesterday, and it, it did seem like it was it was more Doncaster doing the attacking going forward. Um, Grimsby sort of didn't really have any kind of answers uh, sort of going forward, which was which was a bit of a shame because I've seen them a couple of times this year, and when they've played well, they've played I think extremely well. But just yesterday, yeah, definitely wasn't their day. Yeah. Um, and and actually, that will lead me then onto this next question because obviously, as a Grimsby fan, you'll know obviously Paul Hurst has now been. Uh, relieved of his duties so I mean as a fan what do you think Grimsby need from their next manager it's
4: quite hard to label because I think a lot a lot of the responsibility comes down to the players a lot of the issues we've gone under that have recurred are so uncharacter to a Paul Hurst team We've dropped a lot of points from winning positions, a lot of individual mistakes. I think 18 points from winning positions we've dropped now, and that's shocking. And from a Paulhurst side, you'd generally expect a decent enough defence, but we're leaking goals. The two games last week, Stockport and Colchester, we lost 3-2. Most Paulhurst sides that I've seen, I've, I think this is my ninth season of watching Paulhurst, most Paul Hurst sides that I've seen four goals, you're normally talking about four points minimum rather than zero. But we need a lot of stability in terms of the defense. We need to stop make, letting individual errors cost us. And I think we need an identity, really, in, in terms of how we attack. There's been a lot of questions in terms of how we set up our attack with two up top. You've got Rose and Wilson. Who are more than capable at League Two level, but it's how you fit players in. With Harry Clifton's position and Abou Issa's
1: position. So, Brandon, then I'm going to ask you. Then, do do you actually fear the worst for Grimsby this year if you don't get a sort of a manager that's going to get the best out of your players, or do do you think you're going to be safe though, whatever happens?
4: I do. I would like to put my neck on the line. I think our squad is too good to go down when we've played well. We have played well, as you've seen, and there's been a lot of times we've been unlucky this season. But in recent weeks, I think we've just lacked that pressing identity that I've seen us have over the last two years with the promotion and the cup run, and we've just lost a lot of solidarity. But the table doesn't lie. We are where we are.
1: Yeah. Yes, so I'll get to the league position in a minute, uh, but, Charlie, I'm just going to throw this one then over to you. So, uh, again, I don't know if you managed to watch the game. But, Jackson, you came back yesterday for Donny. Um, how much have Doncaster missed him?
0: Oh, hugely. You know, look, Doncaster are a good squad. There's, there's no denying that at all. But they are a squad full of players that need to be together. And I think this is the thing with Doncaster. The squad depth isn't as good as what it is. Has been in the past for them, so losing losing players for too long is it's it's bad. It's really really detrimental to them. So, when, but when they've got a full strongest eleven out, they can challenge challenge more or less any team in this league. You know that they're, they're currently sat in lower in the lower half of the table, and I do think they've got the capability of being able to move forward. But they've just got to get the consistency down. I've said it week after week on this podcast now. Like, you know, they, they won They won yesterday. Yes, OK, against the Grimsby side that, are, that are, were quite clearly struggling. But then they lost midweek at home to Salford. Those are the sorts of games that they need to be picking up points in consistently because it's kind of a win-loss, win-loss thing with them at the minute and they need to break out of that uh sort of cycle immediately. Otherwise, they're only going to start slipping down the table or at least not climbing up it
1: well after that one nil win for Doncaster yesterday that leaves Doncaster in 17th and Grimsby are currently in 21st so let's move on to our next game this was Mansfield Town versus Walsall so Mansfield Town remain the only team unbeaten going into the weekend coming up against a very strong Walsall team with Freddie Draper who has been in fine form this season could the Lincoln City loanee add to his eight goals he's already scored no, he couldn't, but the score did finish Mansfield Town 2, Walsall 1. So, uh, just to talk a bit through the game. So, uh, Aiden Flint scored for uh, Mansfield in the 16th minute. There was a bit of a, a corner ball came in, bit of pinball in the area. Uh, the defence couldn't clear it, and he managed to stab home from about a yard out. Uh, it might have even been about six inches, I'm not too sure. <laughs> definitely, not, definitely not missing from there. Um, and then, uh, was it? Uh, Sturk scored for Walsall in the 52nd minute. There was a lovely ball down the right-hand side. uh, Low cross played into the middle of the box. He was completely unmarked, but managed to pass the ball through a crowd of players he couldn't really miss. Uh, And then Bowery scored in the 71st minute for uh, uh, Mansfield. Bit of a lucky goal. Uh, Somehow he managed uh, to loop the ball in from the edge of the box. I don't know if he. Uh, Scuffed it or what? I mean, it it was definitely a bit of a dodgy goal. Guys, have you managed to watch the game? Have you seen any of the highlights? Mm -hmm. Have you seen that goal especially?
0: Yeah, I have it. Yeah, a bit of a confusing one as well, actually. Um, And just to pick you up on something, Matt. Just, just to pick you up on something, Matt. Freddie Draper could not score yesterday because he's out injured. (laughs) <laughs> he went, I've, I've. I mean, guys. You know, you're listening to this. You won't be able to see this, but I've just seen Matt's face drop like a. Oh no. Um, yeah, he, he ended up going
1: off injured in midweek. Um, just, I, 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 for, so, full disclosure. I, I. I started writing. I started writing this on Monday. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I thought you so not, that's thought where that's come were. from. <laughs> so. Uh, because you just knew you'd be
0: able to excite me by talking about Freddie Draper. That's all it was, mate. I understand. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: No, look, it, it was it was a really good, really good game. And again, Mansfield. I mean, I mean, they conceded, but they were able to get a couple of goals. And this is the thing with Mansfield: they they can keep their opponents down to to very low scores if if they even let their opponents score at all. It is typically only one goal at a maximum, anyway. So the thing about Mansfield is just being able to pick up a couple of goals, which they're able to do. They've got really, really good quality in the attack and in the defence. They can get goals from anywhere. When you've got the likes of Aiden Flint being able to, um, on, on the end of set pieces, even if he doesn't score, as we saw yesterday, there's going to be a goal from the scramble. And this, and this is the thing. They've got a real, real quality in their team. It doesn't surprise me that they're keeping going unbeaten. Obviously, they'll want to maybe pick up a few more goals, um, but I don't really think anybody can complain about how they're playing at the minute. And it's sort of just a little bit crazy to think that they're not even in the automatic promotion zone, even though they're unbeaten after in 19 games in all competitions
1: yeah that that's something i find myself i find that very weird they they've <laughs> been unbeaten the whole season and yet somehow they're not even you know they're nowhere near the top mm. of the league but then that's what you get for drawing lots of your games like they like they yeah. have done um so brandon look, again i don't know if you've managed to see any of mansfield play this year but i mean what's making them tick you know what what's making them so unbeatable i
4: guess they're never out of the game are they you look at the draws at you look at their draws; they're never out of the game. I think that's a big part. The way they press is brilliant. They move the ball with br- they move the ball so well, and you've got some big characters at every end of the pitch. And I think another big thing is there's clearly a togetherness in the squad. Um, look at the injuries they've undergone. There's clearly some togetherness at Clough's instilled there, and. I think the biggest part is they're just never truly out of the game ever.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I've got to say, obviously, I've seen them play this year. Uh, they came to Priestfield, and and they, they really do look like as a unit such a strong yeah. group there, and they look like they're so bonded. And um, for me, that's ultimately if you if you've got a team like that that you know is so closely knit, you're halfway there to winning most games you know, because it, everyone just clicks with everyone. And I, I, that's what I think it, it does come down to. I think I totally agree with you. Um, but yeah, they are they are a total unit. And um, yeah, I don't know if they'll be able to go all season, but at the moment it looks like they could go all season without being beaten. Um, so Charlie, I'm going to throw this next one over to you. And uh, again, I, I managed to find some extended highlights of the game yesterday to watch through. And for, for large periods of the second half, Um, I would say Walsall were probably on top. So do you think Matt Sadler could be frustrated that his team uh, not being able to get anything more out of the game after being on top?
0: Yes and no. I think most fans would have been very surprised to see Walsall getting anything away at Mansfield. and That's nothing against Walsall. That's just the quality of Mansfield. So, yeah, okay, maybe they could be a little bit dismayed that they didn't get at least a draw. But when you look at the stats, I mean, yes, okay, they're on top in certain areas. But they had seven shots with one on target. Mansfield had twenty-two with seven on target. When you're able to have that, when, when the disparity between the chances is that large between the two sides, it's not really a surprise to see one on side, up, you know, beat, beat the other in that sense. It's probably a little bit disappointing for Mansfield that they only managed to get two and they conceded it against their only shot on target. So. Uh, yes, to an extent, Walsall fans might feel a little bit disappointed, but at the same time, they have to do better against one of the league's best best sides. So I don't really think they can be actually that disheartened.
1: Okay. I would, I, I, give me a yes or no, guys. Do you think Mansfield could go the rest of the season without being beaten?
4: No. No.
1: <laughs> okay. Do you know, I, I would have loved one of you just to have said yes. I would have made my day, but you're right.
0: It's League 2. There's, there's no chance.
1: Just mention it. United are coming.
2: Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes,
1: you're right. Yeah, yeah. and they'll, they'll get spanked like 8 0 or something like that. <laughs> uh, and and uh, Scott Cashgate will score eight goals because he's the next years. Um Well, after that result, uh, obviously, uh, Mansfield 2, Walsall 1. That leaves Mansfield in fourth, and Walsall are currently sat down in 15th. I suppose we better move on to this next game. Yes, this is Gillingham versus Newport County. So Gillingham, who was still without a manager, but managed to 1-0 win, win last time out at Swindon and came up against a Newport team who had won their previous three matches against the Gills. The final score did finish Gillingham New uh, Newport County two, but the whole game was marred by an incident from the stands, which we will talk about after Charlie. talks to you about the game.
0: Yeah, so this was, first of all, a really good victory for Newport County, away from home. You know, they had a four-game winless streak before this, but it was two Omar Bogle penalties that put them ahead and gave them the victory in the end. Now, the first penalty, I don't really think anybody can argue too much, but the second penalty, uh, now, I, I don't exactly know the name of the player, here so matt i will i will have to ask you to help me out in a minute but all he's done is the chilling of defender all he's done here is just run in front of the attacker now as he cut him up yes if that if if we were if they were in cars at the time with the uh, horn being honked sure but would it have resulted in a crash probably not i don't really know if that analogy tracks but we're gonna go with it i just felt that the the attack realised he's cut across him, thought, well, hang on a minute, I've just slightly screwed up my rear, oh, 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 he's hit me, and then decide to fall into a bundle on the floor. How he's done that from behind and the Gillingham player in front has stayed on his feet and hardly lost any balance at all, it just screams to me that, OK, that's actually a little bit of a, a little bit of an odd one in terms, of, um, in terms of how that's been given as a penalty. But Tom Reeves decided that it was, so it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, it was a good victory for Newport they they needed that really uh, obviously not a very good result for Gillingham it drops them out of the playoff zone um, but like I say unfortunately the whole game was marred by one incident
1: Yeah so uh, we're, we'll talk about this incident uh, because the guy that actually uh, the, the, I'm sure everyone's seen the uh, photo so, uh, circulating on social media um, but he was literally sat about 10 yards away from me um first off I want to say a massive shout out to all the Gillingham fans who actually got out of their seats went down to the stewards informed the stewards of what happened and actually helped to get that guy removed um so credit to you guys I want to just say to everyone else in League two I'm really sorry for what Gillingham have done because that's not me but that is my club and I've got to take responsibility that a fan of Gillingham Football Club has done that it's not right I don't want it at this football ground. Racism has no place at football, neither does homophobia, uh, sexual abuse, anything like that, shouting stuff at female physios. We don't want it at a football ground. So guys, please, let's just stop it. Um, I'm not going to go into a massive rant. If you want to hear me rant, go onto my X page, find out my last pod I did and listen to that. I rant for about an hour and a half. But look, I, I will say full credit to the actual Newport players because obviously the, it happened after the first penalty, the incident, and they carried on playing and they still gave it their all. They obviously didn't let it affect them. I'm guessing it probably would have uh, affected Omar Bogle after the game. He did come out and release a statement, which again, I'm not going to go through and read. You guys can find it. But I say it once, I say it again, it has no place in football. And guys, if you see something, if you hear something, please go find a steward. Doesn't matter what ground you're at. Doesn't matter if you're at a Premier League ground, if you're at a lower league ground. It doesn't matter if you're at a women's game. Doesn't matter if you're a man's game. If you hear anything like that, please go to a steward, find them, and let's get it removed from football. So I'm going to move on to a couple of questions, guys. Um, And really simply, obviously, uh, Charlie, me and you spoke about this last week where there was an incident, again, uh, from the Rainham end of uh, the Notts County goalkeeper getting hit with a vape. So, I mean, look, come on, what kind of sanctions do you think uh, are going to be given to Gillingham?
0: Well, look, we don't want to see any club be sanctioned because of mindless supporters. But unfortunately, when it is the same club that who supporters unfortunately are are involved in these incidents week in week out there has to then be something put on the club I wouldn't be too surprised if there is some kind of a partial attendance ban uh partial allocation ban at some point in the near future just to try and dissuade certain sections of a and I don't even want to say sections because it's just certain people you know and it's really, really disappointing because that isn't Gillingham. Don't get me wrong, Gillingham, of course, have a bit of a reputation with some of their fans, unfortunately, and that's not the right thing to do because actually it isn't the Gillingham Football Club, it is just certain people. Um, so, look, I personally think that at some point there will be some kind of an allocation, uh, ban or restriction or however, whatever wording you'd like to use, Um but I feel like all that's going to hurt is Gilligan Football Club and then the match-going fans that go there and support their team week in, week out. But unfortunately, something probably has to be done.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I agree. And, and you know, where obviously if it's something had happened last week and we've got a point deduction, I might have kicked off. But if, if we were to give, be given a 4-point, 5-point deduction, whatever, if if we were, as much as it would hate me, mm i i would accept it because i know it's only a, you know again it's a small minority of fans but it gives gillingham football club a bad name i'm not like that you know i'm i know most of my mates aren't with that like that in fact 95 of gillingham fans are probably not not like that but there's just a small, you know a few bad apples unfortunately and as you said it does give gillingham a bad name uh look um brandon i'm going to just throw this over to you i'm, I'm sure you've been to many a football game and i'm sure you've probably heard this kind of thing but I mean, really, this is a question I know you're not going to be able to give me a proper answer to. But I mean, how do we kind of stop this at football?
4: I think the biggest thing with it is there's sort of a silent acceptance from a majority when it comes to these issues. And you do unfortunately need a big, you you need a big sanction to sort of wake people up and say, like, actually, we should start doing something about this. Because, yes, there can be one individual, but there can be people that just look the other way and accept that there needs to be big sanctions to put into place, almost a statement, point deductions, like what Alex was getting on to.
1: Well, obviously, after that, and, you know, we're going to try and obviously move on from this now. But, uh, you know, I'll I'll repeat it. Let's kick it out of football. It has no place. And uh, hopefully a lot of you guys will understand not all Gillingham fans. I like that idiot. So after that game, obviously finishing 2-0 to Newport, it does leave Gillingham in eighth place. And Newport currently are in 19th. Guys, it's time for us to have a little ad break. So go grab yourself a drink and join us in a minute.
3: Away days are great. Especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024, and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows, and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now to the podcast.
1: Welcome back, guys. So let's move swiftly on to our next game. This is Stockport versus Tranmere. Now, Stockport have scored 12 goals in their last five games, come up against Nigel Atkins-Tranmere, who haven't kept a clean sheet in their last seven matches. Final score was Stockport 2, tranmere Neil Brandon, I believe you watched this game for us.
4: Yeah, so first five minutes, um, Isaac Olafe. Is that how you pronounce it? Olafe, mm-hmm. yeah. Oli Efe runs through, um, br- brilliant finish, plays on the shoulder, and then the second goal was just a sublime counter counter attack. Some great interplay between Ode Bailey and Anthony Sargsovic, and I think um, I think it was Kyle Wotton that got the assist. But yeah, for the most part, Tranmere looked completely spineless in the nicest way. I mean, I think it was twenty-six to nine shots Stockport for Stockport, but yeah, Stockport are flying. I think Ola, uh, Olafé is one of the best strikers in the league. He he has everything you'd want in a league two striker, really, doesn't he? He has that ability to play with his back to a defender, yet he can play on the shoulder, and he's so quick. If any of you have watched him yet. Mm.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I've I've seen him a few few times, um, and yeah, he's 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 a big unit, and he, you're right, he's almost the perfect lead to striker. He's got pace, power. Um, you know, he's scared uh, of defenders. Uh, so defenders are scared of him. Sorry, get to get my way around. Um And yeah, you know, no, it was a really well taken goal again. Uh, you know, some some players may have rushed the shot, but you know, he slid it past the goalkeeper, which was which was really nice. Um, Charlie, I'm going to chuck this one over to you though. So, obviously, we've seen Stockport a few times now. And look, is it Stockport's league to lose?
0: Well, they're certainly on one heck of a run at the minute, aren't they? Um, what is it, 10th league match that they've won in a row now? I mean, you don't have that kind of a run and then not be favourites. You know, they are five points clear at the top of the table now. Um it's, it's really hard to see them dropping off as well because it's not even like they're sort of just just getting the victories. They're able to comfortably beat teams from across the whole league. It's not just the teams at the bottom and then they're struggling against the teams at the top. You know, it, it just look this week in terms of Saturday and Tuesday. They were able to win at home against the Tranmere side, who have obviously been struggling so far this season and are sat down in the relegation zone. But they've also been able to win away at Crew Alexandra, crew who had, I believe, the best home record in the league before Tuesday night. In fact, I think they're even unbeaten at home before Tuesday night. I mean, so, in fact, they were. So, the fact that they're able to do it against any team that they come up against at the minute is a massive, massive plus for Stockport. Uh, they, it's, their fans can definitely start thinking about League One next season. Obviously, it's really early to say. It is only 16 games in, but it's really hard to see them anywhere but the top of the table, or at least the top three, come April.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. They they definitely look like a team, though, that are going to, I think, definitely be, be right up there. I... You know, I put I put the question out there: Is it their league to lose? I just at the moment where where you get or every other team, you know, like Sutton United um,
0: Hmm.
1: winning, was it four 0 the other day against? um, Was it not? So whatever, you know, yeah. We'll see. You could say you've got all these different results happening. Anyone can beat anyone, and yet Stockport are consistently (laughs) beating the teams, yeah, whether they're around them or not. Um, So. Brandon, obviously you, you've watched the game. I, I we watched it a couple of times. This incident, the sending off uh, Saunders got sent off in the forty eighth minute. Do you think his sending off was a bit harsh?
4: I think the action of what he did was stupid, but the level of contact is questionable. I'd say.
1: Yeah, that this is this is why I think I was wondering if you think it might have been a bit harsh. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would have said you know he, he's gone in at full speed, but um you know. I, and I wouldn't say he was necessarily trying to endanger the player, but I would have said yeah, it was probably a cautionable offence. I didn't think it was a red myself.
4: I think if it's a red, it'll be more based on the intent.
1: Right. Okay. So, uh, so, so, would you have said it was harsh then, or, or, or do you? Do you think yeah,
4: it's... I think I can see the argue, but argument both ways. Okay. I think I just think the whole, like, he sort of sprung into it, didn't he? That I just think that whole action was quite stupid.
1: Well, after that game, it has ended with Stockport 2, Tranmere, Neil. That leaves Stockport company uh, top of this league in first place and Tranmere are right down there in 23rd. So we're going to move on to our next game. This was Forest Green versus Crawley Town. So Forest Green, who were desperate for a win and if not for an outstanding display from Barrow goalkeeper Paul Farman on Tuesday night, might have had it, hosted Crawley, who hadn't won a match in their last five attempts the final score finishing Forest Green screen two Crawley town one Charlie I believe you have this game
0: yeah so again going into this game it's it's a really weird one because Crawley are a side who had a fantastic start to the season and they're now very much slipping down and Forest Green, we all know Forest Green have been have had a very poor start, but are still able to pick up a couple of results. I mean, look at that 5-0 victory against Colchester recently. So, them playing against Crawley yesterday. In the seventh minute, the uh, wayside, in fact, because it was at Forest Green, They t- Crawley took the lead. It was a beautiful short corner routine. It found Darcy in space. He drove a low effort and it was absolutely fantastic. It did actually come off the post, but they'll be really pleased with it Uh, regardless. Forest Green Rovers then equalised on 27 minutes with the really impressive Callum Morton. He's a player, so for those listening, you'll probably know by now I'm a Lincoln City fan. And Callum Morton was on loan with us during our playoff season back in League One during the COVID season. Unfortunately, he found himself injured for most of that season, so we never really saw a full potential. But he was really, really highly rated at uh, it was West Brom, isn't it? He was really highly rated there, but obviously his career hasn't quite gone to the, you know, to the upper echelons of English football as they expected for him. Obviously not because you know he's now at Forest Green, but. That's my sly Forest Queen dig out of the way. But yeah, he got a really nice goal. He managed to find himself a little bit of space in the penalty area and he fired it under the goalkeeper. He then managed to get his second just before half time. He broke on to a little flick on. And again, it was such a nice calm finish, as we were talking about in the last game with uh oliafi or however you pronounce it i wasn't even going to try there but i I thought i'd go go risky and take a bit of a gamble um he he, again was running at goal and slotted it into the corner a really really nice little finish and then the forest green goalkeeper had a few uh sort of eh, scary moments but he managed to save his team And it finished 2-1 to give Forest Green a second win in three matches, only losing to Barrow in midweek after beating Colchester 5-0 the week and a half before and obviously Crawley yesterday. So that helps climb them out of the relegation zone and into 27th, 27th, no, 22nd place in the league.
1: Yeah. Don't add, don't add some more teams to this league. It's already tough No, I was going to say. <laughs> um, well, look. I mean, as you rightly said, obviously Crawley started off this this uh, season in such fine form. Uh, you know, beforehand, I think everyone pretty much had them down near the bottom of the league, uh, potentially getting relegated, mm-hmm. and they had, you know, they were right up there at the start, but. I mean, do you think, potentially, uh, Brandon, I'm going to throw this one over to you, do you think the quality team, you know, the players could be be, uh, being affected by the possible departure of their manager, Scott Lindsay?
4: Definitely. I think they've got got this whole season or start that they had to thank him for. Like, uh, there was a lot of questions around their recruitment in the summer, and I think that is one of the lowest quality squads in the division. Obviously, there's off-the-pitch implications, but on the pitch, I think it is a poor squad and Scott Lindsay is, for me at least, being the best manager in the division this season.
1: Yeah, I think that's potentially why he's uh, he's uh, attracting so much interest from uh, other clubs, uh, including my own Gillingham. I know we've been uh, potentially looking at him. Uh, but... Uh, Charlie, I'm going to throw this one over to you. So, obviously, we've had a couple of really good results for a Forest screen in the last few weeks. So, do you think this is kind of the kickstart they need now to start pulling away from this bottom uh, part of the table?
0: I'll be honest, I'm going to say no. I I don't think they're ever going to be pulling away. I think, OK, yes, they, they beat... A Colchester side who, you know, at the time were in a really bad run themselves, obviously since they've gone ahead and picked up two victories away at Grimsby midweek, sorry Brandon, and away at Accrington, as we've already spoke about. But for me, Forestry, they're, they're going to be able to pick up some results against struggling sides, there's there's no denying that, you know, if any team in this league could do that, we've already, we've already discussed that. Um, unless they're playing Stockport, of course. But no, I don't see Forest Green really being able to pick up the points against the teams in mid-table and above to really be able to pull them away from the bottom too too much. Do I see them going down? Probably not. Do I see them being anywhere near mid-table? Also, no. You know, when you look at the teams that they've beaten, they've beaten Colchester, okay, on a bad run and a low down in the table. They beat Crawley, who, yes, okay, as we said, had a great start, but are now on a really bad run. But then earlier on in the season, they beat Sutton, bottom of the league. They beat Harrogate, another team that are sort of lower mid-table. And then they drew to AFC Wimbledon. They're the only points they've picked up. Not a single point against the likes of Barrow, even. Atkinson, Stanley, Stockport, Morecambe, Knox County, Doncaster, Crewe. All these teams that... Okay, yes, they are higher than you in the table, you won't necessarily expect anything from those games, but they're still games that other teams around them are able to pick up one or two points from, which then means that Forest Green are going to lag behind, and are only able, at the minute, to beat the teams around them, which, yes, okay, like I say, it can keep you above the bottom two, but it ain't going to help them pull the pull away.
1: Well, after that 2-1 win for Forest Green yesterday, that leaves Forest Green in 22nd and Crawley are currently in 14th. So moving on to our next game, this was Morecambe versus AFC Wimbledon. Morecambe haven't lost in their last seven matches and are unbeaten in their last four home games. Entertained AFC Wimbledon who are unbeaten away from home but are struggling of late. Brandon, I believe you watched the game for us.
4: So, uh, not much happened at the start of the match until uh, Michael Mellon, I think he's called, on loan from... Where's he on loan from?
1: Burnley.
4: Burnley. Burnley. Michael Mellon um, I think had his finest 45, personally. Um, scored, near enough, a perfect hat-trick. Uh, won the penalty, and yeah, that was brilliant, but yeah, um, the the scoreline, score I wouldn't say was exactly fair on Wimbledon. You, you look at the stats, 11 to 22 shots for Wimbledon. And, uh, yeah, Michael Mellon was the difference between the sides.
1: Yeah, I, I've got a question I've uh, written down about him, which I'll, I'll bring up to you in a moment. But, yeah, I mean, I understand what you mean. It, it wasn't like AFC Wimbledon necessarily were, were terrible but they just couldn't find the back of the net um, i think it was only five shots on target um, but the, you know they had 57 possession to 43 um you know 416 passes uh, to three hundred and thirty five. so they seemed to dominate the game just could not score um so on that note charlie look i mean are things looking bleak for johnny jackson <sighs>
0: It's a really weird one with AFC Wimbledon. Like, yes, OK, they're in a bad run of form, but I feel like at the minute he's, he's done enough in the early parts of the season to, to give him a good bit of leeway at the moment. But, you know, as unfortunately we've said a little bit too often with some managers, they have to turn it around very, very quickly. You know, that's, that's now eight goals conceded this week. You know, two, two matches and they've conceded eight against... Uh, sorry, four against Accrington Stanley and four against Morecambe. One of those being at home. You know, so there's obviously a defensive issue there. They're going to have to try and shore it up. You know, I'm saying that they also got two nil nil draws in the last five. But there's obviously issues at AFC Wimbledon. They have to shore up soon enough. I mean, it's it's whether it's a confidence issue at the minute as well. I mean, that own goal that they scored yesterday, for example, it was absolutely horrendous. And does that thing really end up happening if you're in fine form and confident? I don't necessarily think so. It, yes, OK, it, it's a freak one, but there's 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 clearly something going on at FC Wimbledon that needs to get sorted pretty soon. I don't think Johnny Jackson's job is on the line quite yet, but if we're doing this podcast in two weeks' time and things haven't changed for FC Wimbledon, then my answer is going to be totally different.
1: Absolutely, yeah. As I said, he, he he's got to try and start getting that team uh, scoring some goals and and turning their fortunes around. Otherwise, I do, yeah, I think he could be in uh, could be in trouble. Uh, so, Brandon, I'm going to bring this one this question to you. This is obviously about uh, Michael Mellon. Now, uh, 13 games he's played this season, nine goals, uh, ten goal contributions. He has had one assist in there. Um, obviously, this guy is is some some talent. How far do you think he could go?
4: I think he'd go very far. It, purely from the highlights of his goals, you can see the way he sort of operated just outside the box. He just looked ve- like a very complete striker for his age as well. And, what? yeah, he's on nine goals, like you said. And, you know, people had more come to struggle. And I think he's been the big difference to their league position right now against the expectation that they came under.
1: I mean, he's 19 years old. He's a young Scottish Youth International. I definitely feel he's going to uh, obviously maybe hopefully stay the rest of the season at Morecambe. But yeah, he'll go back and he'll probably get into that Burnley squad for next year because he is definitely a real talent. And I think the rest of the league, too, need to watch out for him for the rest of the season. But obviously, after that game, finished 4-1 to Morecambe. That leaves Morecambe currently in sixth place and AFC Wimbledon are currently in tenth. So, moving on to uh, our next game. This was Barrow versus Southwood City. And Southwood City, who haven't lost to Barrow in their last six meetings, uh, that was three wins, three draws. Uh, obviously, we expected them to come out and it to be a really, really entertaining game. And if I tell you the score finished 0 0, you'd think that it must have been a boring game. Guys, I implore you go and find the extended highlights because this was one hell of a game this was. Uh Guys, I don't know if you guys have managed to catch any of the highlights uh, of it at all. Have you with all, guys? Mm, yes. If that was a really, really good game of football. Oh. Um it, it, it For me, that is almost the perfect advert for League 2 football right there.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think the only thing it missed was a clinical striker's touch, which considering you've got Don Telford on the pitch, you'd have expected him to have put away a goal. I mean, he got his first goal for uh, for the club in midweek, didn't he? So, honest, yeah, I, it was. there were so many really good chances. I don't really know where to start, but genuinely some really, really good play, a goalless draw, a, a draw was probably actually quite fair, whether it should have been a goalless draw, Probably not on that one. But like I say, there just needed to be a clinical striker's touch, which was such a shame to have not seen. Uh, you know, it was just a striker snatching at the ball, you know, fr- free kicks, just being, just having efforts blocked and things like that. So many opportunities to score. Fortunately no one put away. Draw totally fair. You know, no draw probably fair on the basis of the striker's inability to to put it in the onion bag
1: Yeah, I mean, just to give you guys a bit of context. So, um, Barrow had 13 shots, two on target. Uh, Salford had nine shots, zero on target. But when you, you know, if you were just reading a game based on the stats, say, you'd think, oh, Salford did have a single shot on target. That was literally because you had Barrow players throwing themselves Mm -hmm. in front of the ball to stop strikes. And this is what I'm saying. This is why I think yesterday, even though it was a nil nil draw, and it was typically two teams, you know, sat in mid-table that probably aren't going to do much this season, apart from sort of sitting around that mid-table position. Really going at it, and actually, I say I just think that was a brilliant advert for a nil-nil draw to be a good advert for, for League Two. I think is excellent.
0: Well, this is exactly what I was uh, saying on on this podcast only a couple of weeks ago with with yourself, Matt. Um, we blocked shots need to count the shots on target if they're going to be on target <laughs> otherwise the shots on target count for this game would have been totally different like i said defenders were absolutely outstanding for both sides everybody seemed to be wanting to get involved uh, it was absolutely brilliant it was a proper good game of league two football and it's the sort of football that you don't see up in the premier league and it's the sort of football that's much more enjoyable to watch
1: Absolutely. Uh, it, it was. It was such a fun game. Brandon said, I don't know if you have a chance, please. Go and go and have a watch of the highlights. You, you, oh, it, really... it looks
4: very much bodies on the line. Like the, that indirect free Kirk, if you've seen that back.
1: Oh, yeah. Just say literally throwing yourself at the ball, you know, doing everything you can, uh, can to stop the opponent scoring. That That's what you want to it's see. It's everything you like to in see. League 2. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm going to throw this question then uh, over to you. Um So, obviously... As we all know, Southwood have got some very big, uh, famous owners. But, look, I mean, they've kind of stagnated over the last couple of years. So, do you think they kind of need some kind of fresh input maybe into that club?
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Salford and Wrexham have had similar reputations over the past, but I think Wrexham have done it with such... They've been a lot more grabby, obviously, different names and circumstances involved. But... Wrexham have built themselves from the up with it. You know, they've drawn attention to themselves and they've made the most of it. Salford, sort of to me, they just seem quite name-based. Like they they go for egos and whatnot. And yeah, I think whether that comes through the manager or not, the club needs a serious restructure if they are to progress through the divisions.
1: I, honestly, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I just feel that they've stagnated now. They they need a bit of fresh input into. The, I'm not saying it's it's the the owners that they need to change, but something just needs to change, just to give them a bit of a, a, a fresh life there. And um, Charlie, we a bit we'll throw of play this culture
4: with Salford. Sorry,
1: no, no, um, go on, Karen.
4: Yeah, I just feel like there's a bit of a culture from top to bottom with Salford since they've been in League Two in terms of the names that they've gone for and the sort. Well, the They've stuck with a manager more so now, but the way they have been with managers in the past, I think the club needs a bit of a reshuffle or just a look at themselves and how they are to progress through League Two.
1: Charlie, I'm going to chuck this one over to you. So again, I don't hmm. know if you uh, go through these stats and, and and all that and sort of oh, yes. team, you, you know, what people have scored and what have you. But um, so. Barrow have the second lowest total for goals conceded this year. Um, They've only conceded 14 goals. They have only scored 17, but they've only conceded 40 goals, 14. Uh, The -hmm. best team is Mansfield with 12. Um, And then Mm -hmm. after that, you're 16s and, and 18s and above. So what's making Barrow so hard to beat at the back?
0: Well, it's just, uh, it's something that was actually evident in the game yesterday. We've already spoken about it. It's bodies on the line. It's a robustness in defence. And it's something that a team like Barrow, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. Barrow aren't the biggest club in League Two, funnily enough. They're probably not even in the top five. Um, But what they're able to do is they're able to create a solid base. It's something that that they've done really, really well in this league. And... As we spoke about uh, previously with Mansfield, if you can score but not concede, or or, or, sorry, score more than your opposition, or if you can concede less than your opposition, you know, if (laughs) if you sort of get my point there, if you're able to keep the goals against you down, you're going to be all right because you're not... You know, even even if you're struggling to score yourself, you're gonna be all right because at the end of the day, you're gonna be able to keep uh, get at the bare minimum draws. And I mean, that's evident in just the past five games. They've had four draws in that run, but they're they're not going to be dismayed with that. It's four draws, a one all, a two all, a couple of nil nils, and obviously they've they've beat Forest Green two nil midweek. So they could be really really pleased with where they are. They've been able to get themselves into mid table. They're only a few points off players, I don't necessarily expect them to get up there, obviously not. But what they've been able to do is have a real robustness in defence, bodies on the line constantly, and they've got a really good club atmosphere there, which, you know, can only the praise for that can only go down to the manager.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I do really like Pete Wild. I think he's a brilliant manager. Mm. I, I, I said previously, I, I would have loved to, to see him come to to Jules. Although I just don't ever think he'd have come anywhere sort of south. I think he'd, he is more northern based. So, but he is he's a brilliant manager. And Barrow fans, I, I must say, I'm a little bit jealous. I think you've got a great <laughs> guy there. Uh, but obviously, after that uh, that amazing nil nil draw, it leaves Barrow in 11th and Salford are currently in 13th. So, moving on to uh, our second-to-last game. This is MK Dons versus Swindon. Now, Milkins Dons, under the uh, new uh, management ship of Mike Williamson uh, in his third game, mm. uh, had won their previous two matches against Swindon Town. So, we we're expecting a good result here. And it did end MK Dons 3, Swindon Town 2. Brandon, I believe you watched it.
4: Yeah. So, at the start, you could see throughout first um mk don's first two goals you can see a clear shape for the uh, for williams system they've clearly bought into it they pressed it from the front and got it into uh max dean i think it was with the first goal swindon uh reply with absolutely brilliant finish from young i don't know if you've seen it but stunning and it's what we expect from him now and then MK Don's reply again, pressing up the pitch, won it in the final third play-through, and it's a brilliant, patient finish from O'Hora. And then the third goal to finish the game off, they just play it through the wing-backs. There's some great interplay. You can see an understanding already in terms of how they play and how they move, and there's an understanding between the side. It was a great move for the third goal. I, th- I thought all goals were brilliant. They look quite bought into williamson's system already and i think it's stylistically i think the squad suits williams williamson down to a bone Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Charlie, actually, I was going to ask you, because obviously we we mentioned on uh, the pod we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, you were mentioning about Mike Williamson and and how much he would have been a good manager at this level. So Mm -hmm. obviously, do you you really think the players are buying in that quickly to how he wants to play? And do you really think, obviously, even though he's not experienced at this level, that he's really managing to get get a grip of these players and actually get them to play his style
0: I think the, the proof's in the pudding at the end of the day, you know, that they're, they're showing on the pitch that they're already buying into his his style. I, yeah. Uh, a good friend of mine is an MK Dons fan, and I was talking to him after the game on Tuesday night, where obviously they uh, absolutely demolished Bradford. Um, and I and I sort of asked the question, could you start to see Mike Williamson's uh, work sort of work and play style coming into the place? It's, oh, absolutely. He says, but the big thing is it has to happen again to make sure it's not just a one-off good performance by the players because that can happen. You know, that we all know that. We've all seen our teams in a bad losing run and especially in League Two, for example, suddenly get a massive result. But the fact that they've been able to follow it up again with a brilliant victory, obviously he'll be slightly disappointed they conceded two goals, but to have scored three at home, get a back-to-back victories I think Matt Williamson's very much the man for this job. I think he's got a really, really good squad of players, good attacking, aggressive presses. They've got the ability now in the dugout as well. That's, like I said, I think Graham Alexander was probably the worst appointment that's been made in League 2 in a, in, a, in a bit of time because he just didn't suit this team at all. But Mike Williamson does, and he's proven that now with back-back
1: victories. Perfect. Well, Brandon, I'm going to chuck this then, this one over to you. So I don't know if you've uh, read, there was a, uh, an article that came out. um, It was actually, uh, I think it's Swindon Town local paper. Uh, But basically Michael Flynn has come out and stated that um, basically they're they're not reliant on just their one player of Dan Kemp. So Dan Kemp, obviously I'm sure you've seen him play. He's absolutely a phenomenal player, but can you understand why he would come out and, and, Tell uh, the press that obviously that we're not just a one one player team, and it is about the whole team to try and take the pressure off of Michael, Fli- uh, uh, take the pressure off Dan Kemp. Do you believe that might have been why he's done that? Or
4: yeah, you- yeah, I think so. And there's obviously worries with Swindon with their lone duo up front, and where will that leave them in January if they're still challenging MK Dons and Bradford? I'd expect them to be around a similar enough position in January time. So, yeah, I can see why he'd want it taken off. And look, he's got they've gone and scored two away at MK Dons. So, going forward, there didn't seem to be many issues for Swindon. It was defensively
1: well, obviously, Dan Kemp is currently on loan uh, to Swindon from MK Dons. Uh, this is obviously why I brought it up. And I think you know, he's an absolutely uh, brilliant player. And, yeah i I don't think that the team can be just based around him it should be like saying it's just based around charlie austin because you know he used to play in the premier league uh but he is a brilliant player um obviously after that game though finishing 3-2 mk dons are currently in 12th and swindon are down uh, so are in ninth place moving on to the very last game this was harrogate town versus crew alexandra uh it finished harrogate town neil crew one And the first thing I need to do here is I need to apologise to all Crew fans because thanks to my new tablet, uh, it kept also correcting, and I hadn't realised, I kept saying Crew Alexander. So apologies, (laughs) it is Crew Alexandra. I will get it right. I'm sorry. Uh, Let's move on. So Harrogate, who haven't kept a clean sheet in their last six matches, they hosted Crew. They are a team in fine form and currently charging up the league. So, uh, uh, Charlie, I believe you watched the game.
0: Uh, I did. I will also echo the apologies, not because I got it wrong, because, you know, I know how to speak on a podcast. I'm all right. But for the fact I, I didn't I, actually... I, I, I just laughed silently at you last week. I probably should have done it out loud and uh, made you feel guilty for your mistake I'm on, on, on air. But <laughs> no, look, um, it was it was a 1-0 victory for Crew Alexandra. Alexandra. Just see just see now. uh zach, zach williams got the goal in the first half it was a it was a really nice little finish and that is a fifth straight home defeat for harrogate which i believe is a club record in the afl which really isn't very good um harvey davies in the net for crew made a brilliant brilliant save earlier on as well when Matty Daly had an effort on goal. So that was that was really, really good. Look, there were chances in this game. You know, there, there were absolutely plenty of chances in this game. Harrogate had 12 shots, three on target. Crew had 15 shots, four on target. I think Harrogate could probably even be a little bit disappointed that they weren't able to get something out of this. But Crew had the quality to be able to put their chances away. Um, they also had the quality in net to be able to stop those, uh, stop the Harrogate chances from going in the back of their net. So, like I say, at the end of the day, Crew can be really, really satisfied with the victory. Harrogate probably a little bit disappointed, but at the same time, they were the makers of their own downfall. They just struggled to be able to score. And uh, yeah, again, another team that are, that are just struggling against certain teams this season.
1: Yeah, it, it did seem quite... Because, I, I mean, obviously, when you look at the... Uh, when, you, when you actually look at the uh, Harrogate uh, t- team... Sorry, I can't get my mm. words out now. It's a very, very strong team. And, and Brandon, this is why I'm actually going to come across and throw you over this next question. Because, um, obviously, we all heard about Luke Armstrong potentially going off uh, to Wrexham. And, obviously, that fell through on the final day. And then Wrexham chose not to pursue it. So, but, I mean, obviously, compared to last season where he was, you know, on, on real fine form, this year he's really not been sort of the same player he was. I mean, again, do you think this could be down to the player's mental head of, you know, thinking that they were going off to Wrexham and almost checking out of of Harrogate?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when a move collapses in the manner that it did, you are going to have a mental strain on you almost. And Harrogate have relied on him for years. Last two seasons, he's been one of the best strikers in the league. But... Yeah, you really question um, where he is right now, and do you think that Harrogate would accept an offer now? Do, do you think that move could come back? Do you think he could come back in for that move potentially in January?
1: Me, look, me, me personally, I kind of feel that the fact he's not been performing as well as he has been, I think people will kind of kind of look at him at the moment and think. I don't know. Do I want to take this? Yeah. Was it just you know last season he was on fire form, and this season people have read him. Yeah. That being said, I'm not going to deny he, he he is a good player. I just yeah, I think right now, I, I, come January, I can't see him going. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, what what would you what would you think? Do you think he he might still go or? Uh, I
0: think that he personally won't. But then I actually think that could be the making of him again at Harrogate, because he'll realise that, to be fair, I don't necessarily think it's holding him back as much as maybe you'd you'd like to think and kind of use it as a bit of an excuse for him sometimes. We do, you know, we all do that. But I, I also don't think that delivery into him has been perfect in certain scenarios. He's struggled to be able to necessarily create anything it is a tougher league this year i don't remember I, I don't i think he's a shadow of the of the of him his former self but at the same time i think there's a numerous amount of factors to that uh, and if he doesn't go i feel like he'll he'll be able to refine his form at some point at harrogate it's just about when that purple patch comes and that could be after january
1: if he doesn't end up going Perfect. Okay, well, uh, guys, this is going to be the last question and, and I'm going to let you guys both answer this because uh, I'm just going to make sure I say it properly one last time. Crew, Alexandra, <laughs> are obviously flying high currently at the moment in League 2 and and guaranteed at the start of the season, a lot of people wouldn't have had them up and thereabouts, but how good of a job is Lee Bell doing and can he actually get a Crew out of this division?
4: I think... They had one of the most underrated summers out there. Everyone paid attention to some of the money that was being spent. But we know Crew don't have the biggest budget in this league, likely a bottom third kind of budget. But they've brought in some brilliant players and they all work for each other. They they go for the 90 minutes. I've not watched them myself, but from highlights I've seen, they go for it. They've recovered a lot of points from losing positions. And you look, you've got Dimitriou. I think he's been one of the most consistent defensive performers in the league for years now for Newport. And he's replicating it again at another club. Long and never relentless workhorses. And I think they have all the makings for a side that can do well in this league. It's just whether the quality can challenge that of the top four. They're side fifth now, aren't they? Just outside it. I mean, they're only, they're level on points with Mansfield. So you do have to put them in the conversation. I feel everyone's talking about this top four, but Crew are level on points. Morecambe, Akrington are very much in the race now.
1: Charlie, what, what about yourself? Do you think this could be Crew's perfect opportunity to get out of this league? I definitely think they're
0: in with a chance. You know, there's there's no denying the fact that they they're able to pick up points against teams across the board. It's something that obviously we spoke about earlier and Forest Green, for example, not being able to do. But this is something that I think crew really are able to. Obviously, yes, okay, they lost at home to Stockport. Losing to Stockport at the minute, there's no shame in that is this, you know, we've already spoken about how great Stockport are. And the fact that they've got the opportunity to run away with this league and that's what they're currently trying to do anyway. But the fact that they're able to pick up wins obviously against Harrogate crawley tranmere and they're they're just three out their last four matches and obviously they beat gillingham before that i wasn't going to mention that but you know seeing as it's gillingham, Matt, i thought i just had to bring it up thanks yeah you're welcome you're welcome so yeah look, they're able to pick up points uh, against a plethora of different sides in this division um their next league match is actually at home to Notts county now that one for me is going to be a really really interesting match i'm going to really look forward to that one Uh, Just to be able to see whether they're able to replicate some of their recent performances against one of the league's best sides. Uh, And if they can, then I think the answer to your question is definitely yes. This is a great opportunity for them.
1: Perfect. Well, after that final score of Harrogate, Neil Crew, Alexandra 1, that leaves Harrogate in 18th and Crew are currently in 5th. Well, we have come to the end of The Real EFL's lead Two a look back over the weekend. And guys, it's been a great show. I've really enjoyed it. I'm just going to reiterate, though, what I said before the ad break. Guys, racism, sexism, anything homophobia, anything like that, it has no place at football. Let's kick it out of our stadiums. If you see something, say something. And guys, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.
3: it's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on i you've got your McNugget share box on the go and you know what your mates already got booked for double dipping but then late on you steal in grab the last nugget and snatch all three points perfect why not order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app are you in Help participate in restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms. Apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: Hold up.